Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 278. And I'm joined this week by the wonderful Connie Huck. Thank you for joining for joining in. For joining in, guys. How is everyone? Um, I hope you've all had a wonderful weekend and week so far. Yeah, thank you for all the love for the recent episodes. Um, I'm going to keep this intro brief because the conversation is is frankly fantastic. It's one of my favourites. I met Connie, I mean, we discuss it, but I'll say briefly, I met Connie properly when I did her sw- Switch Off podcast and um, after we finished recording it, we decided that we had to do a distraction pieces ASAP because we were pretty sure that we could uh, fix the world. Um, and, and, and we have a good good go at it, but I won't go into t- too much detail. I'll tell you as ever, you can support the podcast for just a dollar at patreon.com slash pip And there's speech development. Records.com has got tons of merch and everything. My club night is back on July 27th. So uh, come along to that. We've got R- Russell from Block Party um, DJing. So that's exciting. Um, and yeah, I'll come back at the end with some more information because I want to tell you about uh, a comedy gig I went to this week and a few other bits who's next week who's next week's guest all things like that but i'm saving that for the end because i want to start i'm experimenting with um shorter intros i will in the intro mention that that that, that, um really briefly at the end we get talking about connie's book um upcoming book cookie and the most annoying boy in the world and i couldn't remember if we said the name or not so uh, i wanted to give it a mention and a plug here um, because that's out next month. Anyway, this is episode 278 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Connie Huck. always do a backup recording as, w- as well now that's because good. i had one that, that didn't record and weirdly when i was recording with charlie earlier in the week a minute into our conversation i noticed it wasn't recording uh. here because i hadn't s- switched on that box right okay. and it was beautiful to have the relaxation of i've got it backed up i've got it covered it's not a problem cool um so i'm here today with connie huck how are you hello i'm very well thank you Thank you for welcoming me to your house. I'm late. It's a pleasure. I'm sorry I couldn't deal with the weather. It's absolutely torrential out there, isn't I was, it? I was thinking on the way over, it's the most cliched and British thing to talk about weather, but how mad is the weather today? It's literally, I left the house and it was sunny, and then at points it felt as if I was going to have to pull over because the like rain was so rain. heavy, I couldn't Where you see. can't see, yeah. It's, yeah, anyway, sorry, you're right. It's not like... No, but it's weird... Uh, when that happens, I was at home the other day, and it was l- literally for under a minute. It was as if someone had emptied a bucket <laughs> on my house. Yeah. It was the heavy. It didn't feel like raindrops. It felt like a flow of yeah. water, and then a it stops. Yeah. So we've kind of killed the planet. I'd I'd imagine. I think it's pretty much a goner, <laughs> unless we just change everything. Yeah, that's doable. I saw a. Tweet. Do you think it's doable? I think it is. Oh, I saw good. a tweet today, and they said because of our need to blame people and sh- 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 shame people, mm. we've made it seem as if all of our problems are insurmountable because we're so, oh, you've ruined the planet. Oh, you've done this, you've done that. It's like, 
their point was there's loads that can be done. It has to be done by countries and by companies, but individuals can make a difference as well. And it's they all, really can. And it's it's mad. I think anything quick change can come if business people can see it as as financially beneficial. Yeah, it's genuinely why I think as much as it's a positive thing, I think the huge push for more black and Asian representation in film, more female representation in film, that's all got bigger because they've seen there's money in it now, because they can go, oh, Wonder Woman and and Captain Marvel, it's feminist, it's female, or Black Panther. There's money in it now. So, again, it's it's still a good result, so I'm not hating on it, but stuff happens a lot quicker, I think, as soon as there's a financial reason for it to be so. Yeah, definitely in today's society, like, everything is financially driven because... People think happiness comes through helping themselves yeah. because that's how we're brought up. You know, that is the sort of capitalist consumerist society we live in. But you could have a shift, and I think it would have to come from the bottom, where, like, if kids think that altruism, like helping each other is what brings happiness, people only want to be happy in real life. Yeah. Um, and that's all you can want. If you're yeah. happy and homeless, but you're depressed and you're loaded the homeless person's winning because happiness is the ultimate yeah. goal. But like, if there was a mentality shift at the bottom where you didn't even gain your happiness through all the sort of, I don't know, material goods or the, you know, making more and more money, then that, I think that's the only hope. So kids are going to be world leaders of tomorrow. They're going to be the CEOs in companies. And if they innately, because by the time we're in our late 20s, we've stopped shaping. Like it takes years of therapy to undo all that stuff in our brain. If already in your upbringing or your childhood or something, that is your mindset and your mentality giving back. And it's not even like, you're so nice. It's just the norm. Yeah. Then everyone will be like that. So then if they are the president of the USA or they are a CEO, they won't feel the need to, oh, let's increase that fat cat salary from 10 million to 20 million. Or they won't feel the need to go offshore for taxes or, you know, to, because they'll want to sort of increase the pay of the workers or give yeah. to charity yeah. because it's just in their mentality. It's, it's something that people struggle with, I think, because, again, we've built a society that's so built on instant instant gratification or instant instant results so knowing that it will take a generation people are like we need to do it now yeah, and it's, no. it's, it's similar in the other the, the direction people will have that nan or that uncle or whoever who's racist who's mm. homophobic and at this stage they're not going to change and the fact is no, they just have ingrained. to die <laughs> and that sounds That's harsh and horrible the but they do just have to die they're gonna have to die and then the but focus has to be on the next people but... in life you know if you think back to the stone ages <laughs> you know there was a totally different mentality than now and people's minds shift and their mentality shifts and i don't know you take something like the smoking ban and people fight fought it and resisted it non-smokers and smokers are like how these big a deal be, it was yeah, these people will be second-rate citizens smoking outside on street corners blah 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 and the minute you change something at the root then it's just the perceived norm and yeah. people accept it and they yeah. embrace it and you don't you know so quickly it's not as well a thing. it was so mad quickly. how quick the smoking bans the perfect example because yeah. that's something that's happened in our lifetime that was a huge change yeah. that's across the country yeah. a real big change and like that it was yeah. 
It was fine. I have like really thick dark hair. I remember just any time I went out, I'd like come back. My hair like absorbs. It's really dry as well. It absorbs odors and yeah. fumes. And like if I literally put a drinking straw to a glass of water from my hair, I'd probably drink it up. It just seems to yeah. like suck everything. I in. mean, and it lib- it changed my life. <laughs> I didn't just go around stinking. It, you <laughs> see, it depends where you were going as well. Because at that point, I was touring. I literally remember I was touring in Europe, yeah. so I went to Europe before the smoking ban and came back with the smoking ban in place and Europe didn't have it it was France it was you yeah yeah do anything um so it was weird to come back but at that point obviously I was gigging a lot and I was not going out to clubs necessarily but sometimes I was DJing in clubs mm. and stuff like that and the smoking ban revealed that humans are smelly <laughs> because in clubs it's hot and it's sweaty and we hadn't noticed that yeah, before because yeah. there was that layer of smoke to cover it up. Yeah. You're suddenly like, oh, this is another thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this Urda is unavoidable. It's now yeah. replaced by Erda B.O. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's, again, it's acceptable. It's a, n- a natural part of humans. But for, for the first few months, I know all my mates who were club promoters were like, it's disgusting. And again, <laughs> everything, you just you get used to it and it's not a big deal. But yeah, it was an interesting one to go, Oh, that <laughs> oh, no. was covering something up, yeah. wasn't it? I remember I used to get sore throats as well. Or every, like, if I'd been out the night before in a smoking environment, I've got, like, nodules in my throat. Right. I need to learn to speak from my abdomen. Yes. But I speak from my throat. I need to do the Alexander technique. But I used to regularly lose my voice. And then the minute the smoking ban came in, like, yeah. my voice was like a normal person's voice. So I didn't have to go around talking like Marge Simpson's sister yeah. every yeah morning after a night before. I mean, it's, it's interesting kind of looking at, 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 at the problems in the world. And I, I came on, on your podcast recently, your, mm. your, your sw- sw- Switch Off podcast. Yeah. And it was great because instantly we both wanted to talk for hours and hours and hours because we're both clearly very <laughs> excitable people who've got similar ideas and outlooks. But your podcast is like a professional one and stuff. So, you know, we had to rein ourselves in a little bit. I know, bit. it is a bit like that because I'm one of these people. And I it's what I'm used to on mine, just being a long rambly podcast. Yeah, but because I it's love... on BBC Sounds and all this, it's very much... Yeah, and you have to stay quite focused into the theme, <laughs> which I find really difficult. I just go off on tangents. Whenever I speak to people, you know, I'll start talking about one thing and by the end... Like, I'll come away thinking, oh, I never finished that. Or I know, I've left all these sort of things hanging in the air because I've gone off on tangents, like random sort of sentences that now make no sense. Um, I'll have people tweet all the time saying, oh, you guys were going on a really good direction and then you just completely changed and never came back to it. Yeah. I was waiting the whole time for you to finish this one story. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot I, we started I've on that. i literally come away from, I don't know... Uh, Dinner parties, that sounds posh, but, you know, gatherings <laughs> where people talk. I don't know the right word for it, functions, yes. uh, um, whatever, um, where I realised that I never got to the end of that anecdote or whatever. And actually, it's so such a weird anecdote, just told as it is without... Just without the end yeah, point, the, the thing that, that, that justifies it. it. Yeah. yeah, and makes it relevant to the bigger conversation or whatever. D- Doug Stanhope is, is a, a comedian I absolutely mm. adore, and, and so much of his stuff, if you stopped him halfway through, it would be horrific. <laughs> he always, he'll start with the really horrific bit to give the payoff of here's the end of the story, and I always w- worry about that in general conversations because often 
you'll get in weird situations or weird events that will start off sounding horrible, mm. but then how it's resolved yep. is what brings it back round. And that's the fear of podcasts is the, the only get that make the bit that makes you a horrible person. Yeah, the horror. And, and you it never get to go, oh, no, no, it ended up. End. It yeah. ended up okay. Oh. But um, so, so, so Switch Off was absolutely fascinating for me. And I think I said oh, when you hit me up, I'm kind of, I'm taking a break from guesting on many podcasts and stuff at the moment. But as soon as you hit me up about this, it was one that I had to to be involved with. So kind of explain what the podcast is and what it makes the guests do. To switch off. So basically on Switch Off, um, we ask the guests to come off all social media for a week and to see whether it changes, I don't know, changes their behavioural patterns, their mindsets. Um, you know, it's sounding very deep, but obviously we spend so much time now scrolling yeah. on phones at stuff and then clicking on links that take us, you know, it, it is a wormhole. It's that old cliche that even if you just think, oh, I need to look at this for five minutes, it can be five hours later. Yeah. And all of that is kind of white noise because when you're in that world, you think it's so important. Yeah. And you feel like you're the centre of the universe as well because it's all your account and 100%. the people that are looking at the things you're doing and posting. And yes, it's two-way as well. But I don't know, you don't get immersed in something like you do if you read a book. or Yeah, yeah you'll often clink, click on an article, but the very nature of it is in the whole, it's quite slight. Everything is quite superficial. Um, so it's just coming, and it's because of that that attention spans seem to be less we need sort of instant hits yeah instant gratification and so whether i don't know coming away from that of a week and it's not a week where you're on holiday it's a normal working week yeah yeah whether that i don't know changes you whether you feel like you're having withdrawal symptoms is it like you're in rehab yeah you know how is it going cold turkey so that's yeah that is and can i just say you really did embrace it because we've had people that sort of did manage to do it but maybe had a few lapses here and there yeah and again it was kind of explained in advance that that's part of the test if you you mess up then then we'll discuss that if you have to go on then we'll discuss that it's not a kind of so yeah i I liked that there was that what i thought was really interesting i have to say that you've had a haircut since i last saw (laughs) you um because for anyone that hasn't heard that podcast i mean it hasn't actually gone out yet but depending on when this goes out and when that goes out uh pip came to the podcast very hairy like with a beard bigger than bigger, usual bigger, and yeah. yeah his hair sort of but it was very hairy and huggable I thought you looked but anyway um <laughs> and realized during the week that he only communicates with his hairdresser via Instagram yeah and because you know you were doing it sort of the whole you were going the full hog so strict you held it. out on the which is only a week more but that could be a lot of hair growth yeah, in your world yeah, i know yeah. my hair grows really quickly and that that can make a difference and um yeah there's lots of little things little rituals communications sort of i don't know uh, lurking and watching someone or a site from afar that you do via the medium of social media that yeah. you might not realize like oh i get my little news fix on I don't know, such and such topic from that stream or, you know, I like looking at the artwork of so-and-so, but only via the medium of social media. So I haven't seen what they're doing, you know, so. Completely. And it was interesting. I mean, what I found fascinating about it was that all the things you noticed that um, you maybe had overlooked Mm. or, or all the ways you live your life normally, I guess essentially you kind of notice more the ways you don't waste your time on social media. 
Yeah. Because you notice the sites that you're like, oh, I want to check this. Oh, I can't. Because I can't go on. That's not the hours and hours that come up on your on your weekly screen time yeah. where you're just scrolling and, and looking at stuff. But the other thing I found was it made me realise how unimportant a lot of it was. Because when I came back on, I was kind of like, there's n- nothing at the front of my yeah. mind that I'm like, oh, I need to catch up on this. You know what I like? It was it fine to, to have not been on. There wasn't any, oh, I need to see what's yeah. happened here or what's happened there. It's like, no. Well, what I like in it too is I remember when shortly before moving house, we were living in, um, me and Charlie were living in like a, a two bedroom flat, but with all of our, well, we were supposed to have all of our possessions in there, but there was no space because we just had a baby. And so I had all my stuff at my mum's house. And basically, um, we didn't end up moving to where we were moving to, to like a few years later. Yeah. And I couldn't remember what all my possessions were. I was literally <laughs> yeah. All living... this important stuff yeah. that you can't do without. It was all of my worldly possessions. But then after like a year or so, like, I didn't miss it. I didn't even know what it was. I was quite yeah. happy, you know, having a wardrobe that consisted of not very many items at all. And, like, literally, we were living in a shoebox. Yeah. Um, one room was his study. The other room, I'm not even kidding, there was a bookshelf on one wall which touched the bed so you couldn't actually get to the, <laughs> lower, the lower levels of yeah. the shelving unit. Then there was a cot... I mean, that then, was clearly intentional. Like, there was some private stuff on them lower levels of that bookshelf. You've yeah. just not tweaked I mean, that. It's this a good way to the hide secret stuff, stuff was. For sure. Uh, <laughs> and then literally a wardrobe that you could hardly open. And then the other wall. It was like literally, yeah. it was that jam-packed. I think I just hit the mic if you heard an almighty clonk. But it's it's a similar thing. Yeah. You think you can't do with something. And then when you have to, you don't know what it was you couldn't do without. I, I, I tell my mum off all the time because I moved out of my mum's house over 10 years ago now, mm. and every now and then she'll say, oh, I found this of yours, or I was cl- 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 clearing out this, I'll bring it round. And I'm always like, don't tell me and just throw it away. Yeah. If I've not had it for 10 years, I don't need just it. throw it away. Yeah, if you, yeah. you bring it in my house, it's now going to sit somewhere in my house and never I'm get thrown away. I'm throwing stuff away, though. That, and but that's, it. that's why I'd rather not know. If, yeah. if I've not seen it for 10 years, that's it's, it's when you find out about it. It's when they're like, oh, here's this. You're like, oh, I've got a keep that i know i want to keep it yeah. whereas if you don't tell me i'll never think of whatever that thing is well, again you know what's interesting so basically then even when we did move house i didn't get all my stuff back my yeah. mum has passed away subsequently right and every now and then i'll go and it's almost like i'm shopping in my mum's house because we're clearing <laughs> it so but i'm like oh you know I, I remember those jogging bottoms. They're so comfy to <laughs> slouch around. I mean, I haven't bought a new item of clothing for, what, 10 years now? Yeah. Because I don't need to. I'm not growing. Um, you know, I'm quite happy to <laughs> go around looking like a trap. Other people might not be. But, you know, we just don't need more stuff. I I'm get really a lot like... of, 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 of praise for the unusualness and creativity of my merch. It's mainly just for me to have new clothes. If there's, there's something new I want, I'll release a new... It's normally my record label stuff because I don't want to wear a Scroobius <laughs> Pip shirt. That feels weird. But I'll release... I've got the most creative record label shirt. I've got gloves. I've got umbrellas. <laughs> I've got all sorts of stuff because it's like, oh, I need that. I'll, I'll make one as merch. And then, yeah. then I don't have to make go into shops and look yeah. it up. Exactly. It's fascinating. So, so what's y- y- your relationship with social media, I guess? And And what inspired 
doing a show that makes people switch off for a bit. I mean, I'm a really late adopter, so I wasn't yes. on any social media. I wasn't on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, any of that. And then, um, and then when I had kids, I um, at first I said I can do it all. I can work, and I can. Um, and then uh, quite quickly, I thought actually I'm going to just do this mumming thing. It goes fast. Yeah, um, it's quite a big job, isn't it? The whole the keeping humans alive. It thing. is quite a big job, and I'm quite. Uh, I must be a control freak or whatever. I didn't want someone else to be doing the brunt of my mothering. Um, yeah. So, but then as part of that, I was doing sort of bits and pieces of uh, like often I don't know promoting National Reading Week or you know corporate yes. those sort of campaigny things. Yeah. And often part of that you have to do a tweet, and I wasn't even on Twitter, um, and so. I got a Twitter account really late in the day. I think it's three or four years ago now. Yeah. Um, but because I'd never done Facebook or any of that stuff, the minute I got on there, like if I did a tweet and then everyone replied, I'd feel the need to reply. I yeah. couldn't leave things, Yeah. you know, questions left unanswered and so on and so forth. And so then it just made it's, me it's not want to tweet. You've got normal human etiquette and politeness <laughs> rather than the social media one and uh, i mean because that i think it changes i've never us. done social media yeah. so i wasn't used to that it felt like somebody's asked me a question maybe i'm ocd or something but it literally just felt too rude i've i've, to... I've, I've had it in recent years i've genuinely this has been something i've thought about a lot and it's tr- troubled me is group messages on on, on whatsapp mm. i would get annoyed when i'd put s- something in there and my mates hadn't, or a particular mate hadn't responded or whatever. Yeah. And I would, I, I spoke to a friend about it because I was like, number one, I think it's perfectly reasonable to be annoyed that someone hasn't responded mm. to something you put to them. But number two, I also think it's perfectly reasonable that it's a group message and you glance at it and you're busy and Ooh, you're doing other stuff. Right. So it was a weird double world. It's like, I think it's perfectly fine. I also think it's the rudest thing you in the world. It so is. it's this weird balance of etiquette, which I'm sure you felt on social media at first. Well, You're this like, is it. I'm judging I don't have to reply people. to everything, but I kind of do because they've said something to me. So Yeah. So if you're sort of, by doing that, you're judging people by your cultural norm. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I went first went to Japan, to Tokyo, and this is related. It sounds like I'm going off on another <laughs> tangent. Um, but being in this area called Tribuya, which is really, I mean... Tokyo is overpopulated anyway, but literally when the lights, the pedestrian crossing, the lights go to the green man, it's almost like the crowd at Wembley Stadium or something. There's so many people everywhere. Anyway, and quite quickly I realised when you bump into someone, like I said, oh, sorry, sorry, they just keep walking on. And I thought, how rude. I've just, we've just smacked into each other and you've just walked off without saying sorry. And it happened quite a few times. And just culturally there, They'd be saying, you know, it's the norm. They'd be saying sorry to each other every other second because there's yeah. so many people. You keep bumping into people on the street. Yeah. And so... It's it, unrealistic yeah, to apologise every time. Of, and in that, that's normal in that sphere. So to not reply a tweet is normal in the world of tweeting. Completely. It's not normal in the world of your friend texts you. Yeah. And maybe WhatsApp is a medium between the two. That's um, it. It's the group text thing. Is it somewhere in between? Yeah. Because it's a real micro social media. You've there's a group there. You're all involved. Yeah. It's yeah. Strange. And so that's the thing. But I can't switch out of my sort of cultural mindset. I still want to reply everything that comes. So it put me off doing tweets a bit because I think, oh, I don't have the time. To. But also, <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of just you know everyone uses Twitter for 
them. And what I really like to use it for is to communicate to people that I don't know that I might meet in real life, but I don't necessarily, you know, we're not number swapping. Um, So you can communicate with people via DM without having to exchange phone numbers, which I think is quite handy. Yeah, I I can completely agree. A a lot of my beneficial use of Twitter, Mm. again, there's a lot, and I learned on that week, there's a lot of completely unbeneficial Mm. use of Twitter. But a lot of the beneficial one is exactly that, is not having to live in the 70s version of the entertainment industry where you need to be in a bar smoking a cigar to make your contacts, to talk to the right people. The fact that I can engage online. There's directors and all sorts who I chat to regularly. Yeah, and you're not each other. intrusive. No, So with an email, you expect to reply because you know people are checking their email. With texting or anything, other, I think it's one of the only mediums I can think of where someone can message you directly, but there's no pressure on having to get back to them instantly because some people Completely. don't check their DMs for days. Some, yeah. people, you know, and you don't really know what someone's pattern is or how many DMs they've got in there, or you know. So it's, I, I really like that that yeah. facility of Twitter. It's, it's kind of nice. So, so have you, have you had, or, or, or what's your outlook? I mean, you mentioned kind of coming on to social media indirectly because of of motherhood yeah because 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 you had these work responsibilities that you needed to be able to do from home yeah I was losing jobs because part of the job was like okay so you need to do a day of um, media interviews and you need to do three tweets and you need to and I was like oh okay um I can't do that it's fascinating as a tool for enabling that kind of situation Mm, to, mm. to be able to have those kinds of impacts and presence but from home in between things in between dinner and and, and putting the kids to bed or changing or whatever (laughs) else or even while you have a human latched onto you yeah taking life from your life (laughs) to be able to go oh I'll quickly get this work done it's in that respect it's revolutionary yeah it's amazing to, to be able to allow that and have that accessibility right yeah yeah but then remember at the end of the podcast we asked you do you think it's you know social media is better or worse yeah. it's quite interesting hearing people's answers yeah. on that yours was a good one actually because you pointed out how i don't know without it we might not be brexiting and trump and like yeah. the I mean, the world's, the current world situation seems to have, um, you know, it's yeah. had a big impact on it. But it's quite interesting hearing different people's answers. Yeah. Because everyone looks at social media differently and uses it differently. Completely. Um, so it is a million things to a million people. It's, it's that f- fascinating thing, though, is, is people l- l- like to justify their own decisions. And I'm kind of, at times, ha- like happy to not justify my decisions i think it's undoubtedly made the world worse yeah i'm on it constantly yeah. i'm using it for my because people always argue it's good for promotion or for this or for that it's like that's not as important as it's like a drug as, as brexit or trump or any of these neg- or, yeah. or the way that we've become such a a tribal society at war with each other i think that's happened because of social media that's not as important as 
Yeah, but, but I can like reach my hit. fan base. Those cool. are endorphins, the pleasure of like, I don't know, someone saying something nice, whatever, and it is. It's, just, it's like a drug. I mean, it's no different from, you know, you like uh, someone might like, I don't know, going out on the on the lash because of the yeah. sort of instant feeling. Yeah. But in the bigger picture, it's not necessarily a good it's, thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's been it. said numerous times, but it, it was one of the main forms of, of gamifying our lives. The, mm. the, yeah. The, Computer games are addictive because you want to get more gold coins and mm. go up more levels. That's what we've done with social media. We've put our lives into a game that's got a certain amount of likes and a certain amount of follows and a certain amount of retweets. Mm. And they're all things that that we can switch on and engage. It's as if we're turning on the computer and having a quick go when we're doing a post or, yeah, or, yeah. or checking how many likes we've got. But we've brought it into the real world. That's what makes it kind of... Have scary. you stayed off it to some extent since? Yeah, not? a lot more. A really? lot more. Okay. I've stayed off it a, a, a lot more. Um, Have you been doing more telly viewing or reading more books? Or yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, I've I've been a lot stricter. Again, it, it, it is tough because the addiction of sorts is still there. And I spoke to my brother about it, who's who's got his masters in philosophy. He's the the most intelligent and got the world figured out person yeah. I know. He's not on any social media, so there's a clue there. Um, but he was saying how part of it is as well, it's we've built a society where we feel pressure to constantly be productive. And his argument is that's not how society is meant to be. We're meant to have, have leisure. Well, is- um, leisure is meant to be a key part of our lives. The I had um, a Rutger Bregman on who wrote a book called a utopia for realists and in that it talks about how up until the 70s that there was a big push to bring in the four-day week yeah and then suddenly that went out the window to well we need to work more and now we're scared that robots are going to mean that we can't work so we should be looking at robots as a positive for meaning that we can still have the same productivity therefore still have the same money flowing around yeah yeah but have more leisure time these should be things that we're so yeah his point was we feel like again i'll be on social media a lot because i will feel in some way it's being productive rather than being in the world just being it sounds sounds hippie-ish but being one or being present i'll be on the toilet and i'll be like i need to be on my phone because otherwise i'm not doing anything I'm just so, sat here with my own mind and it's terrifying. Because people think that happiness <laughs> comes that happiness comes from that productivity, well, don't they? When really happiness does come from leisure. Yeah. And it's like you feel because, But there's a guilt now with the yeah. happiness of, of leisure. We will have yeah. the guilt of I've watched a whole whole box set this weekend. Oh oh for God's sake. But it's sake. also because we're so competitive. We yeah. think well other people are, are getting ahead then. And competitive yeah. in everything. People are competitive over how much their house looks like a show home or, you know, what labels they're wearing and what food they're eating. Everything has gone a bit mental. Yeah. With sort of snooty as well like i just i think it like it's almost going to new levels and it was I quite refreshing agree. is it australia that are now striving for well-being as opposed to gdp yeah and hopefully that's this new phase we're moving into i yeah. don't know so you know what i was saying to you about kids being taught about like where happiness comes from yeah like in sweden they have this thing called lagom do you know about lagom no i don't um and it was really massive uh lagom means just the right amount 
So right. we don't need 50 pairs of shoes and we yeah. don't need, you know, all these possessions. It's that thing of what I was saying to you of like everything that was in my mum's house. And I was like, what is all that stuff? We only need just the right amount. And it sort of became naff to not be doing that, you know, to be buying new stuff when you can just, I don't know, mend your old stuff or whatever. It seems bonkers that, I don't know, people will spend, I don't know, 50 quid, 60, whatever it is on a pair of shoes. Yeah. But then when it comes to giving that money to, I don't know, save lives, give to charity or something, they'll just be like umming and ahhing. Yeah, or they'll but, be making excuses. Oh, is it really going yeah, to get to them? There? Or what are they yeah. going to spend it on? All this kind of but thing. But it's like, only a mentality. It's yeah. because everyone does that, that you do that. And we're all trying to keep up with everyone. Yeah. Whereas if you shift things... At the root, yeah. like changing the law on the spoken band or making kids sort of want to have that mentality yeah. and that mindset, then, you know, the future is bright. We only don't eat, it's like how we're trying, we only don't eat snake because that's not what's done. So we yeah. don't eat snake. So there is a future society where if, I don't know, kids don't really eat much meat, they're sort of disgusted by eating meat because anything that gets to kids at their core, yeah. they take with them for life. And we're all, as adults, just totally a product of our upbringing. Completely. And we all think we're doing the right thing, even if that is, I don't know, doing, I don't know, being a Brexiter or, you know, you think that, well, that's what will make me happy and what will make yeah. some people, it's, yeah. It's what you're brought up as the norm. I think yeah. about this a lot because... Um, <laughs> I've 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 got a lot of of, of gay friends. Um, I've, I on, on on Instagram, I follow a lot of hot young ladies, and mm. I also follow a lot of hot young men because I can appreciate the male form, all this kind of thing. And I've thought a lot about the fact that I'm straight because I'm not into willies. That's just it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, but that's only because of my upbringing, right? That's because as a kid, you, you're told, oh girls and this and that and you need to get into as a young kid the thought of girls is gross the thought of kissing a girl oh that's horrible so my natural reaction now to thought i'm not turned on by the idea of kissing a guy that's because i've had an upbringing of that so it's what you're there's there's so much in there how much do you think is an innate preference to like, I don't know, that's sort of pre-programmed, like, I don't it's know, tough, I don't yeah, like because obviously people are born I a certain way. I just never but... liked fennel, the taste yeah. of fennel. And like some of these things have to be things that are internally predetermined yeah, and yeah. some is environmental It's got to be a combination of the two, right? I, and... I just feel that or the majority of people are probably naturally as a default bisexual. And it's not about I like, like in, in. I think in, it's a spectrum. Yeah, in, in in like everyone talks about how homosexuality was completely acceptable in in Greek times. It wasn't. It just didn't exist. There wasn't straight or gay. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was just there was, there was more no. dominant or, or or submissive. That was it. It didn't matter what the Genders, gender was. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more. That's where things are. So again, I've yeah, I've realised I've gone down a path there implying. Or that could be twisted to be, well, gay people are taught, you know, to change. Again, I think we are all born with yeah, our natural urges, but I think the restrictions are everything is put a on spectrum. by society. Yeah. Everything is a sliding scale. And then we put labels on things to make them sort of a bit more polar. It's um, the labelling. Like as as mm. we were d- discussing before we came on, that that meal is a vegetarian meal. Yeah. Why? It just happens to, to, to not have meat. We don't have a name for a kind of meal that 
that doesn't have potatoes. I mean, yeah. that's rare. No, but you know what? You've but, hit, but still, you know what you what we were also discussing before we came on. But the thing of diversity yes. and inclusivity and being called a minority. Yes. So I, you know, for instance, when I got my job on Blue Peter, it was like first British Bangladeshi presenter. You know, yeah. first brown person on this show, and. I was, you know, it's great because I can pave the way for other people to see this is the norm. But it's a sort of, it's um, a stage. Everything is a phase. And then a few generations down the line, we won't need that because it is the norm. Yeah. But And I was like, oh, but I can present too. Or I'm normal like everyone else, but yeah, yeah I'm brown. And the thing is, is that we're all a minority, whether it, in many different situations, um, like you might be a minority because you're a train spotter or you might be a minority in a minority because you stutter or you yeah. might be in a minority because you like that disgusting T-shirt you wear every day. You know, there's so many minorities and we've all been in a situation where we're an outsider or where we're other. But minority is a bit of a sort of fallacy in itself because we're all minorities that make up this majority. And yeah. if we were all the same then there wouldn't be any minorities. But no, you know, we're all different in so many other ways. But we don't, I don't know, talk about someone that has, you're, you're absolutely right, right, like, I don't know, b blonde curly hair by labelling them with a specific term for yeah. people with blonde curly no, hair. No, no, ex exactly. It's where it's defined. And again, and it's, it's, all the, what you're it's, used it's to. the ignorance of our definitions because it'll be like that person's Asian. Oh, oh, what is it? Over 30 countries yeah, in Asia. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, and that they're 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 black so yeah. wow i mean that's 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 hundreds of different places yeah. with different cultures and different and again but there are these stereotypes of that's how asian people tend to be or asian people are more this or yeah. more that it's like which specific part of this huge continent are we are we attributing all these things to because we don't have them you know, specific stereotypes but. every label you know it, undeniably, Asian people will have browner skin in the whole. You know, there are, you know, labels are labels because, and stereotypes are stereotypes because they do maybe have some truth in them in certain scenarios. But the point is when it's for the, used for a negative. Yeah. You know, because actually it doesn't matter whether, I don't know, someone's skin is a bit browner. It doesn't change anything, and or their accent is different, or they speak a different language. Is when it's used for a negative, and it's kind of the two things become a bit blurred. Yeah, um, it's a really it's a funny one, but again, this is just a shift that you know we're going through, and probably I don't know in a few generations' time we won't be even it's having seem these so conversations. Insignificant. Yeah. So, so I mean, let's, let's, let's touch upon that a bit because one of the things. Um, I've always really liked about you is the is that you you've kind of refused to be defined as to what you are or who you are and, and that's something that's always been really important to me I don't want to be oh I'm a, a musician if I want to do some presenting I'll do some presenting if I want to move into acting or writing or whatever else and but when you kind of came into people's consciousness it was a big deal because it what you 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 were as said the first yeah brown lady well, as as a blue peter presenter and I mean, it's weird that it's framed in that way because you were also the longest yeah, female you know host what? on there it's and stuff just like that because but. back in those days there weren't as many and even now you know we could still say there isn't 
equality as such, you know, for women, for ethnic minorities. But, you know, progress has been made. Um, but I do remember growing up and my parents used to call us around the TV when this program called Mind Your Language came on. Do you right. remember Mind Your Language? No, I don't. It was about a school that taught English. Right. Um, and it was a sitcom. But, you know, but it was very racist. But by the, the standards of then, it wasn't really right. racist. Yeah, so in yeah, a yeah. similar way to how Apu has, you know, been yep. pulled up now. But they were so proud of it. Wow. They were the brown yeah. people. Because... They were just proud to see other people like them on the telly. And it didn't matter, you know, and they could laugh at themselves to some extent because, yeah, they hadn't mastered the accent right or whatever. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, a French person will say English with the French accent or, you know. And it's that thing of whenever there was a brown person on the telly, they used to like literally call us down. Yeah. I mean, this is going back, you know, I was born in the mid seventies, but you know, now that would never be a thing. And similarly, when I was growing up and probably when you were growing up, kids hardly ate fish unless it was in the form of fish fingers. They'd just turn Completely. their nose up. At yeah. fish. But yet when my nephew was a child and he's, you know, at uni now. So this is by no stretch of the imagination recently. I remember his favourite food was sushi. Wow. And like, I, you know, kids ate olives and stuff. You know, so things, pro society just progresses. I was going to say, it's, it's a perfect example of, of what we were saying of, of, of how quickly these things can go from being a huge thing to being a tiny thing. Because mm. even a slightly racist portrayal of an Asian family was exciting and to be celebrated mm. when you were yeah. growing up. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. now it's just, you know, it's hopefully, it's just another, here's just another thing that's happening. Well, I remember I wanted to go into acting when I was like really young. I was in the National Music Theatre and blah, blah. But there were no brown people yeah. in anything unless EastEnders had an Asian family. Yeah. Uh, and that's but at how the they time they defined. have a Turkish family with Mehmet. And so, you know, but now they've got so many different ethnic yeah. families. So things do like move on and it's all part of that change and that shift that we're in now. And it, constantly, everything's in a constant shift to sort of where we're going to end up in, in 11 years time when climate change will be irreversible and exactly. it's Armageddon. It's going to be too late. We're going to sort it all out as humans no, just as we've messed it up fine. as the planet. You said we're going to do good in the next 11 years. I mean, years. it's a fascinating one then because you spoke about how, you know, wanting to get into acting then and the lack of roles. Oh, I've known Riz Ahmed for years and I know that he went to America because... In England, all of the options were terrorist or some kind of thug cunning, and yeah, for a while, yeah you know. com completely. But they seem to have a wider variation, yeah. a little quicker, <laughs> yeah. um, because we were so obsessed with period drama. So yeah. with that, there's just none. There's no options. Brown people didn't exist then, because otherwise, the period drama has to address all the blood from which the money <laughs> came from. So it was an interesting one there. But I remember talking to Riz and it really kicked into him when he did Star Wars. Again, he's always been exactly that of just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. I don't want it to be some big thing. Yeah. But he realised that when he was a kid, he could never buy an action figure that was brown. brown. Yeah. And now that Christmas for his Star Wars film, the, the, they could. And I think that's something that meant a lot with your long-term role on Blue Peter because it wasn't like EastEnders. You're, 
there's not the Asian family. Yes, at the start there was all this talk of the first Bangladesh or, or this. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But, but you're that's just that's not who you were. On, but that's not who you were on the show. It wasn't over to our Asian correspondent. No, it was. You know, it was kind of. Yeah, yeah. You were just right, yeah. a regular presenter, and I yes. think that will have meant a lot and paved a lot of of of, of ground for young brown children in England tuning in and it being the norm it not being something that they're questioning their parents might be going oh this is unusual mm. but the children are just tuning in but similarly with disability that. I remember doing auditions where we were seeing you know um uh, auditioning pre- presenters with disability and now you know when I grew up there weren't any people on tv hardly with a yeah. disability yeah. and now it's changing slowly you know the on CBBC, I co-presented stuff before with Adi Adapitan. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's slowly changing with everything. If you think in the 60s, there was a lot of immigration and people came over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whereas, I don't know, in medieval times, there wouldn't have been breakfast. Everything is just part of changing as a society and moving on. You could say, you know, we used to have dinosaurs and they all died out. And, yeah. Th- you know. And it's just sort of, you have to take a lot of hits to get to the bigger, better picture. It's it's getting the ignorant equality in first for genuine equality to come. It's yeah. getting the, yes, here's our right, Asian right. character. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to have that because that's, oh, look, we're doing it. Yes, and then the it's tokenism. Just, here's, here's our yeah. character who happens yeah. to be Asian. I, because it's going into people's mindsets that... I don't know. There used to be a time when there were hardly, I mean, still even, like, it's much more normal to hear a male voice on the radio yeah. than a female voice. But the more female voices we have, the more subconsciously we won't feel more at ease hearing a male voice. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Subconsciously, you like what you're used to. Yeah. And it's yeah, only completely. when we start changing up what we're used to that you'll just be accepting of it. Yeah. So people were probably subconsciously racist. Because they weren't used to seeing people in certain arenas, so they wouldn't sort of embrace it. 100%. There's, there's, like, my dad's generation, South London, he grew up around black people. All his neighbours were black. No no racism in him. But there would be that subconscious racism of being surprised Mm. when you when someone's on tv or yeah. again of, yeah. of, of of a a woman on the radio or things like that and it's, it's with all... other stuff too like regional accents if you yeah. think how you know everybody used to say talk like this on the bbc yes. and it was all very prim and proper and you know the first time you hear someone talking a bit like this it's like oh well then they they're not sort of speaking the received you know pronunciation that we're used to or having a regional accent or you know and that is discrimination. There's yeah. so much, you know, I was, as I, was, I say, there's so many minorities. I was gutted when my music started to get coverage because I was put in the group of where they kind of said that Lil, or Kate Nash and Lillian and all these, they refer to them as having Mockney accents. And they put me in that group. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's just an Essex accent. I'm yeah. not doing a bad Cockney accent. Yeah. That's just how we sound. It's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. nearly, but not but quite. Not quite so, yeah. But it's, it is a fascinating one. I I had a lady on this podcast called um, Angel Jufria, and she's an actress. She's also a cyborg. 
she's got a robotic arm mm. and it's amazing. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. She, she does amazing stuff with it. And she spoke to me about how ex- excited she was when she'd got a role. And she's done some great stuff. She's been in some Marvel stuff, I think, all yeah. sorts, but it's always in tech labs in this kind of thing. And she got a role that was just a waitress. Yeah, yeah. And that meant so much more to yes. her than any yes. other role because yes. she wasn't cast as the woman with the robotic arm. Yeah. She was cast as a waitress. As an actress. Who happened. And it's yeah. been, like, there's a, a, a script I've written that I'm trying to get a Netflix to make at the moment. And obviously I'm a, a massive egotist, so every script I write has me in it. But mm. the character that me and my mate had written for me, we've, we've given him a stutter because although in acting I can control it, we were like, well... It's fine. Let's just not make it a big part of his character. It's not this big deal that he's yeah, got yeah, to start, yeah. but have someone just stuttering. Because you're representing. Yeah, and, and equally, I know, quite understandably, n- no one would just write that into a script. It's a fucking weird thing to yeah, just think, oh, yeah. they've got a stutter. It's like, oh, now I'm going to have to have an actor do a no... weird fake stutter. It's going to be really awkward. And they're just yeah. going to feel as if we're imitating a, a disability. It's like, that's weird. So it was that. I was like, well, I can, though. And I can write no that in and I can do it. For it. And that's the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think there's, there's shit that it, it'd be great if there was a lot more of that. I said, I really loved Man Like Mobin. Oh, Gus Khan is, is a mate of mine. On? Yeah, I've had yeah. Gus oh, on. Great. We were in a film together and we just hit, hit it off because yeah, we yeah. were the two who it seemed like shouldn't be there. Yeah. Because yeah. we were both just from working class. Kind of, and Mobin was great because it does address Islam. And things like that. But it's not the key part. These are just some lads off of an estate yeah. who happen to be Muslim and happen. And it blew me away. It's I, I so thought funny. And, and if, if, if people haven't watched it, the first, the first series is good. The yeah. second series is next level. I'd really just thought they they suddenly start to bring dr- drama in, which I wasn't expecting. And yeah. But yeah. it's great to have... I think sh- shows like that are hugely important. And they're also important because, again... Being a mate of Gus, I, he'd be sending me the tweets he was getting. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. racist tweet Because it was on the BBC, yeah, yeah, he the would abuse. be getting horrific, abusive tweets. And that makes you go, see, that's why these things are important. And it's that whole thing of the biggest argument. That, that, or A lot these days people say, oh, why do you always have to make it about race? Or I don't see colour or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, that's, that's white privilege. We, we don't have to see race. We don't see race because we've not had to. It's yeah. not thrown in our face every day. It's a beautiful privilege that the first time you're confronted by it is when someone is calling you out on your bullshit. That's you shouldn't be angry at that. You should feel yeah. lucky that you've you've but got you've to that point. Oh, I don't have to deal with that open. every day. How, yeah. how how lucky am I? Yeah. So so how was it doing a show like Blue Peter for so long and then f- f- figuring out a, a what's next because. You've you've written, obviously you wrote an episode of Black Mirror, which is a, a, a great episode, and you wrote a short that won awards. You know, so it feels like you had kind of instant success well, as a writer, but then... You know what's interesting is because I came straight out of university and then went on to Blue Peter and then did that for over 11... No, it was over 10 years, so I did it for 11 it's years. Mad. It's so mad. And because it's so busy and then it was sort of... On at times five times a week, so it's on three times a week on BBC One, and then they just started doing those uh, digital channels then, because right. we're going back to the olden days. So it was on Tuesdays and Thursdays on 
the CBBC channel, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Wow. On yeah. terrestrial. So this the schedule was so full on and you'd be doing a live studio then travelling to such and such place and doing this, that. But uh, everything's did the digital one feel not you. as important? Did you ever feel as if you're phoning them ones in because they're on digital rather than well, the main weirdly, ones? weirdly, they didn't have as much budget. So often it was lots of sort of rehashing of like extra footage <laughs> yeah. and linking to, you know... Here's like, this again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and sort of lots of cheaper items. And and then I think a bit further down the line, they changed the format. So one of those shows was entirely sort of interacting from viewers' letters. Oh, wow, and great. Yeah. yeah, so things that... I don't know if a viewer had sent in a suggestion of an item or... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so after I came off that show, it's really weird because I don't, anyone that's freelance will know that when you've sort of been in a stable job and then you go freelance, it's like, huh? Where's my yeah. next meal coming from? Yeah, scary, um, right? Yeah, really scary. And I think in life you have these anchors. And you know what I was saying to you before? I think so. Our happiness is governed not by sort of monetary means, but with you sort of real friendships, yeah. real relationships, your family. Um, and those are the sort of anchors. And part of that is working because you have friends at work and how much yeah. you enjoy your work is to do with how well and how much you like the people there yeah, and how much you're enjoying what you're doing. And I remember my parents, you know, my dad had got ill. Um, I had come out of this really long job. Um, I was thinking about sort of changing agent, which is another anchor. Suddenly it felt like, oh my gosh, I feel a bit like I'm floating in space. I don't know what's coming next. And I don't quite know what I want to do next, you know. And so that's kind of destabilizing. You know, if you're not, you know, know, I wasn't married. I wasn't. It's the worst and best industry because of that. Because there is the option to do almost anything, I think, now, because of social media and because of how you can uh, chase any direction or any dream. But equally, and I have this regularly still, when you're laying in bed at night and you've not got the next gig lined up, there is that, (gasps) what now? (laughs) What am I doing? What what, what is... Here's, here's all the things I want to do, but how many of them are just a stupid idea? What's realistic here? And also, do you think as well that sort of freelance mentality makes people... It's kind of a bit more capitalist in a weird way. Yeah. Because you also it's much more competitive. Yeah, yeah, I um, think there's that. And so there's that thing of like, I need to be busy all the time and doing things. And, you know, it's guilt. I feel guilty. I've just been doing leisure, you know. Yeah. Um, and so oh, that's a funny one. Um it's, it's it's all based. We base because we, we we're used to working, or the rest of society is working time allotted jobs, yes. time scheduled jobs, yeah, nine yeah. to fives. That we think in the same way. And the fact is, if in your day, all you had to get done was, for example, a podcast. Yeah. If that takes you an hour, then you've done your day's work. Yeah. You shouldn't you beat yourself up over that. You sit there going, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah. You sit there going, "Well." I have to fill the rest of the day. It's like, yeah. no, that's you've done that. That's that's what you were meant to yeah. do. That's really good. You but can clock off early, but you can't get your head around that. that way. It is because it's such a sort of keeping up with the Joneses coming. Yeah. and the minute you come out of that, it's so liberating. Yeah. So at first, I think I had that mindset, uh, like, oh no, I've got to be doing stuff. And, you know what's blah blah doing, and then the minute you know, and it's that adjustment period, and then the minute you come out of all that. Weirdly, you know, being a mum, 
just brought me completely out of all that. Of course. And then the minute you dip back in, you dip back in for this or that, you realise how like it, nice it is being out of that. Yeah. Which is kind of a bit like the whole social media thing. Yeah. So I've, uh, you know, I feel like I'm more or less dipped out all the time because I, I just like it compared to when yeah. I'm or, in or, it. Or being a, a, a parent in general has to be such a good bullshit filter. Like, yeah. like all, all, like, all the people I know, male or female, in these kind of industries that have got kids are like, no, I'm not going to go and do that. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. Whereas those who haven't would be like, well, you know, I might meet someone there or this might be this opportunity. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. There's, there's, you, you, you have to throw out so many of these yeah, stupid ideas of what's important. Grounding. And you know what? No matter whether you're a company executive at the top of your field or, you know, sort of unemployed, when you have a baby and that baby is reliant on you for milk or to wipe up its shite. Or again, its just or keeping them alive. They will yeah. go out of their way to die. They will yeah, They will walk into stuff, fall off stuff. And yes, you can get, I don't know, <laughs> nannies coming out of your eyeballs or whatever. Yeah. But the minute that baby's born, it only, at first, it's relying on you for the milk. You know, it's kind of like back to basics, yeah. isn't it? You know, until you're out that hospital, um, you know, yeah. you have to change the nappy with the assistance of the midwife or whatever. But it does bring you back down a few levels, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, you have to keep them alive, like you say, for 18 years and beyond now because they don't leave home till they're 35. Yeah, so. it's true. What's your thought on social media with regards to your kids? What's your outlook? Have you planned what your approach yeah, is going to be? Because it's such a tough one. Because it's, it's, it's unavoidable, and I think you can get in the 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 risk of being the dottery old parent who's overprotective. In in the same way, your parents or oh, you call that music? That's not music. This is is yeah. real music. Things like that. I think it's tough. I think phones are such. Uh, they're, they're going to be such a key part of they're our society. They're an extension of our brains now. You know, I don't remember so much stuff because I know it's in my external hard drive, a.k.a. my phone. Yeah. And, you know, they are an extension of us. I hate to say it, but they are. And um, people argue, well, we don't educate ourselves as much because you can get so much information yeah. just online. It's like, well, that's always going to be the way from now. Yeah, So, So uh, 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 the way we build our brains is going to need to be different. We don't need so much pointless, so many pointless facts. That's, it's sad, but that's, yeah, that's the like way I said, of the it's future. just part of progress. There was a time when, you know, certain people frowned upon books, like these yeah. are evil things, but, you know, people resist change because well, TV they're not for sure so long. what it's bringing. I, yeah. My, my, I used to rally all the time against the idea that people would still kind of hold off a thought of it's the idiot box. It's this, it's mm, that. Oh, mm. the, always the guy who's like, oh, I haven't actually g- 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 got a TV. And it's like, but, but, <laughs> and I've got Netflix and Amazon you. and everything else. It's like, <laughs> you're watching TV still, you prick. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's because the, the fact is, it's an idiot box if you put the stupid dumb shit on your TV. But yeah. you can watch documentaries. Yeah. You can watch amazing dramas. There's characters in film that I've connected with and learnt from as much as any book. Yeah. Yet literature has got age on its side, therefore it's that accepted, well, it's literature. Yeah. People aren't reading books anymore. So yeah, that yeah. does suck, but still. It's a different medium, isn't it? And and I think 
my husband is very much a sort of um, he's a real a total gamer mm. and he's a techophile. So you know, whereas all the parents at the school gates are sort of yes, I only let my little boy have half an hour yeah. of screen time. I'm sort of like yeah, I was only have half an hour off screen time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, literally, completely. you know, and he I've, has. I've got on. an arcade. <laughs> A unit at my house as well. Oh, yeah. we're in, we're, you, as, as, there's an arcade what? unit. It's like you, you yeah. can't have these things. No, exactly. And, um, <laughs> you know, I actually think at least with computers and gaming, it's interactive to some extent. You know, yeah. well, uh, Kobe plays this game, Barbar is You, and it's problem solving. Yeah. And he managed to solve a problem that, you know, Charlie couldn't <laughs> solve the other day. So, you know, that's it's no great, bad thing. No, it's um, really, it can be really good. And again, it's the same as, it's, it's, it's the, that's, that's a great example because it's the, it's the exact same ignorance. People are getting up in arms because there's talk of, um, of gaming going into the Olympics. And they're like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's all killing people. It's like, they probably won't choose that game then. If, if <laughs> like, you know, there's a whole variation of games. It's like saying that TV, oh, people get raped. So not on Coronation, although yeah. I guess they do on Coronation Street, <laughs> but still not, not in a, a yeah, graphic not manner. Not in the but, right sphere. But uh, people uh, will argue it's, it's, it's not, it's not an athletic sport. It's like shooting is yeah. in the Olympics. That's no different from gaming in that it's your eye, hand-eye coordination. Well, what's interesting, there is a real your snobbery speed. against gaming. And what's interesting is whereas TV channels are quite happy to put film review shows up, yeah. and the gaming industry is much bigger than the film industry, yeah. but all the main channels still, you know, resist and refuse putting on gaming. Completely. Programs. I was a big fan of, 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 of Go 8-Bit, and I, I, I went on the spin-off show, and again, it was a great show that's, happens to be about computer games, but it's a panel show. Everyone loves a panel show. Mm. They're cheap to make. They're yeah, yeah. And that that got cut. Yeah, and it was just, right, we'll get rid of that. Yeah, and... Um, it's somehow seen as, as niche, despite it being a multi-billion dollar well, industry. look at the Let's Play, you know, the Let's Play YouTubers. Yeah. They have millions and millions of views, more yeah. than any terrestrial TV channel. Yeah. But... I guess it's because it's not in commissioner's sort of stream of consciousness. Because, like I say, you just go with what your sort of cultural norms are. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, gamers wouldn't watch TV. But then that's because there's nothing for them to watch. You know, it's a, it's, it's a yeah, it's a two-way sort of causation. Yeah. And that's why progress and everything, it goes back to the same subject, doesn't it, Pip? But progress is slow because yeah. we have to have these little sort of steps you know but i do think if we get to the children progress could be faster yeah but then as you say they have to grow up and become the adults that go out into into society to make the world a better place i agree um, i agree we're, we're, know, go in, on no i was just gonna say because i it, i uh, did economics at university but in, in economics there's the two schools of thought the right wing thinking and the left wing thinking of you know to increase a country's gdp you increase the money supply according to monetarists so yeah. that might be i don't know issuing bonds or printing more money a tweak you, you know however you do it if you put more money into a system that makes prosperity whereas left wing keynesian thinking is you pump money into goods and services schools and hospitals and building roads and then you'll increase gdp yeah, that way yeah. and um you know, both work in the short run, but in the short run, you know, people can be, 
wage price inflation hasn't caught up. The minute prices just all go up, then that happiness or that boost turns nominal. It's not a real change. It's a nominal change. Um, Whereas when you pump money into goods and services, you know, that's thinking more long-term. And that's how I think about people in that you can get happiness by getting the iPhone 1000, but it's a short-term fix because the iPhone 3000, you know, if we get our happiness through clothes and through material things, it's short-lived because there'll always be the next thing. Um, Whereas if you get it through relationships and the people you surround yourself with, that's a real thing because that sort of goes to your heart, that happiness. Yeah, and I think it's it's a change that's, that's, that's really important. I've got really into and comfortable with the idea of long-term goals and projects with it sounds like a weird one but three or four years ago now I got into my fitness and the guy who trains me kind of said there's no new solution eating healthy and exercising Mm. over a long period of time will keep you healthy yeah you could go on this new fad or this new fad because everyone wants that quick fix and it's been great and it's why I've become quite short where any of my my mates who are like, oh, I've just joined this new thing yeah, and it's yeah, this yeah. online thing. I'm like, cool, talk to me in six months. Yeah. If you do it for three weeks and then you stop, I don't yeah. care because it's, it's wanting that instant. But also you're changing something at the root because you were saying before that it's now that you've been doing it, you like eating that way. Yeah, yeah. Because you've sort of embraced it and now you've sort of tweaked your, your yeah. mindset. Like It's like... I like drinking hot water and people think I'm mad. And I didn't used to at first. Yeah. But I really do now because it was too weird at first because my friend used to drink hot water. And I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> that's, you know, it doesn't taste of anything or whatever. But now I find it kind of comforting and yeah. warming and like a hug. Yeah. But I know that, you know, the taste is not anything comparable to a cup of coffee, but I like it in its own right. I know this is really a weird parallel, but... Remember when The Office came on telly, when it first came out, it got terrible reviews yeah. and people were just slating. They were like, what's that? Because it was so different that they hadn't sort of taken on the mindset and embraced it with, you know, these people have long pauses and they look off camera because it's, yeah. it's a mockumentary. And the minute you sort of get what it is and buy into it, then people love it. It's like embracing the whole thing and then your mind actually changes to what it yeah likes and doesn't like because yeah. a lot of it is it's familiarity right yeah it's it's yeah. like i always i i used to get asked to do kind of talks and that for of for music industry things and i was never up for it <laughs> but i always felt the answer to the question of how do you make a hit or how do you have how, it's like it's familiarity if you can convince radio one to play it every day then people will like it it's why if you go to to a gig, you enjoy the songs you know the most because mm. they're familiar. There might be yeah. better songs and they'll play a new song that at the time you'll be like, all right, and then a year later, once you've heard it on yeah, the yeah, album, yeah. it's your favourite song. Yeah. But it's familiarity. So there's not there's not actually a key artistically, I don't think. And again, I think it's the same on these... On I mean, using the example of The Office, I've grown to like the American Office more than the original Office but it's because there's a lot more first. of it. It's because there's a lot more of it. It's familiar. Yeah. It's familiar. I've got yeah. to know those characters over eight well, seasons rather than over two. And at first, exactly that. I was like, who are these pretend yeah. Jim? And, but uh, <laughs> also, in a similar vein, don't you find now, we're so used to binge-watching stuff. Yeah. And where you watch episode, 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 
um, that when something comes on and you have to wait a whole week to see the next episode, you kind of don't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Because now we're just used to watching it on tap. And things that we watch on tap and we love, I don't know if we'd love as much if we watched it in the olden days with a week It's weird, though, because I think there's also exceptions to the rule where it's heightened because because we're not used to it. So having to wait for Line really of Duty was, was yeah, and, and The Virtues but recently was another one. That was things like, that are mediocre. So when you're talking about oh, the catchy yeah. songs, you're talking about, there's, you know, there's yeah, amazing ones. Yeah. yeah, but there's ones that are good and it's things that are in that middle bracket. I yeah. think if you have to wait a week and it's just good, you might not stick it out. Yeah. Whereas if it's just on tap, then you'll watch the whole series. I think it potentially means that we're all watching a lot of shit stuff yeah, and not realising. When I had that, say I'd... shit, shitter, or, yeah, than you not would as good. have if you had to wait a week. So it means you change your sort of, you change your barometer a bit yeah. because the nature of how you're consuming it is different. Yeah. Which is the, the case with anything. Yeah. You'll judge it on how it's sort of fed to you. And it's this thing of like, now I'm going to sound like a nut job, but how dairy milk tastes completely different to chocolate buttons. Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. know, how you're consuming something is a lot to do. If you have something on tap, you know, you might not revere it as much as if it's just drip-fed. It's completely true. I was discussing this, or, or this d- discussion, we're coming f- f- full circle now. This discussion was going on on, on my Instagram recently because I did a post just saying, how great is, is lasagna? Mm-hmm. And that was it. It's just, it's great. And someone below was saying, can you solve this? Because a friend of hers, she had said, I didn't even respond to this. I saw other people responding. A friend of hers says she hates spaghetti bolognese but loves lasagna. And it annoys her because she's like, it's the same thing. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, but it isn't. I completely because agree. Because again, is, it is the same thing, but texture and, you know, you'll texture get, is taste. you get the burnt, crunchy edges of a lasagna. Yeah. You don't get that yeah. in a bolognese. I like yeah. both, incidentally, but yeah, yeah it's, I like it's, both. it's a perfect example. But even, of, even the shape of the pasta. So yeah. having spaghetti bolognese is very different from having penne bolognese. It's mad, isn't it? Because the, the texture is also taste. And probably the, the, the percentage of which you, get if you know what i mean yeah, if you've got strings you of it you might, of, yeah, you might you might you might take penne, in more or less well, or, penne will have more sauce in the tube yeah so more will cling to it it depends on the surface area yeah, as yeah, well as the it like, it's a very scientific discussion <laughs> to be completely honest um well i mean i'll start to wrap things up now but i want to kind of ask a, a what's ahead um yeah you mentioned acting i watched oh, good you... omens recently and <laughs> i i loved I, I i was very excited about it. Good Omens, because I love Neil Gaiman yeah, yeah, and Terry. Um, I auditioned for it, and it's one of the only auditions I've had in recent years that I came out and thought, oh, oh. I didn't now. I didn't do very good there. Yeah. I thought it was shit, and that's not me being arrogant. I just really enjoy auditions. Like, I don't mind if I get them or not, so yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. heartbroken or anything, but that was the one that was annoying because I came out knowing that wasn't as good as I am, if yeah. you know what I mean. Grr. But it, it meant I was excited to... Uh, to watch it because I'd got to read a couple of the scripts. Yes. I was like, this is fucking brilliant. So yeah, it was yeah. exciting to see you in that. And the, uh, how's your... I mean, like you said before, as for whether... I, I don't know whether it's because I get itchy feet or whatever. I find it really, like, I don't know, restrictive to say that... To, to stick to just doing one thing, I guess. It's And Blue Peter gave me that variety. Yeah. 
one day, you know, I'm at the top of, I don't know, Sugarloaf Mountain. The next day you're down a sewer. The next day yeah. you're with a pop star. The next day you're with a scientist. It gives you that variety. So Blue Peter, I did stick to for over 10 years because it, it worked yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the next thing is I've got these books coming out. Right. Um, and they're to do with, once again, the uh, themes of inclusivity and diversity are back on the table. But So they are about a nine-year-old girl. Actually, she turns 10 in book two, who's into sort of, she's into knowledge. Like, she likes long words and she's kind of into science because she thinks it's really cool. But, you know, it sometimes sounds square or worthy if you say this is a girl that's into STEM learning and she's from an ethnic minority background mm-hmm. and, um, you know, her friend has gay parents. And, you know, it sounds so really what I'd say is it's a cross between Bridget Jones and Wimpy Kid. Right, and we've yeah. gone next level because all that sort of inclusivity, diversity stuff is secondary because it's the norm now in the world. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, I came from a background in which my parents wanted me to go into science or be an accountant or a doctor or an engineer because those are the revered professions. Whereas we're in a society where the revered profession seems to be being famous. Do you see what I mean? Completely. Completely. It's it's, it's the end result without the bit that should... Because, again, I've got nothing against fame, but you should be famous for being really good at something. This is the thing. For excelling in something. Yeah, rather than just for being famous. Exactly, for famous to say. And while I was on Blue Peter, often I'd ask kids, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And often, you know, loads of kids gave really good answers. But there'd always be that kid that says, I want to be famous. And then you're like, oh, what for? And they don't know what for. They just want to be famous. Um, And it feels, you know, a bit hypocritical of us being scathing of that. But, you know, I think that it's partly because of mindsets if if sort of science you know so when my parents culture science is you know science and and you know stem professions are seen as the revered profession yeah. because it's a like we say it's a mindset yeah. and we're all just used to what we're used to so maybe these books can be help, part of helping to pave the way for that is a sort of revered or a cool thing. Or, you know, just being clever is cool. Yeah, And I yeah. think sometimes as grown-ups, we reali- we can realise that too late. Yeah, And so we think, completely. oh, if only I had paid more attention at school because it's re- I'd really like to know about, I don't know, what's going on inside an atom or whatever. So much of my education has come post-school yeah. where I've suddenly yeah. gone, oh, right, I want to know stuff. I don't want to be ignorant and blind to all these things. I kind of... Yeah. And that's when it's hardest to learn, partly, yeah. as you said, of the brain kind of being f- formed and good to go around t- t- 20. Therefore, it's harder to, to get things yeah. in and make them stick. And partly because t- teachers are pretty fucking handy. Yeah, to, they are really, to, really to have someone to go, I like this, and go, well, you should read this, 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 and this. There isn't an algorithm yeah. <laughs> who can actually say, oh, you'd enjoy this. Yeah, or try to this ignite out. that thing that I was yeah. saying you take with you. You know, we've been watching 20, uh, no, 63 up. Um, and we, you know, it started as seven up where yeah. they follow the kids. And you really do see those kids are pretty much shaped very early on. Yeah. And so, really, that is the key to having a good society in, yeah. in my head. Um, you know, making sure that the kids have the right values at the core, which they then take with them. 
throughout life and want to give back. And um, so uh, then I've co-written... And what are the books called? So Cookie and the Most Annoying Boy in the World is book one. And the other thing behind them is... So boys will buy books about boys and girls will buy books about boys. Right. But boys don't buy books about girls. So how can we have equality in a world where this is happening to our children? So hopefully these books, well, they're trying to appeal to boys and girls. Right, that's great. You know, Cookie's always in trousers because I grew up wearing only trousers in, you know, um, apart from school uniform, which wasn't allowed to be trousers back in those archaic times because now school (laughs) kids can wear trousers if they're girls. But um, there's also... uh, Another book I've got coming around, around Christmas, which I've co-written, which is Stealth Woke. Um, so it's traditional fairy tales updated for the modern age. So you've got stuff like Trumple Stiltskin, oh, wow. which is about a money-obsessed, power-hungry, little funny orange man. But it's also Rumple Stiltskin as well. Amazing. And um, there's Jack and the Baked Beanstalk, which is about, you know, these giants coming down this beanstalk and living happily with the villagers until the village elders decide to uh, chop the beanstalk down in a, after a vote. And so then the giants go back up sort of in a, in a Brexit-style fashion. Um, you know, there's plastics in the seas. is covered with the pickled mermaid. She's worried that her, her mermaid um, folk are going going to become extinct um there's me too there's ipad addiction there's all sorts amazing. of uh modern day topics covered in the guise of classic fairy tales um and that's coming out in but maybe we can do another podcast yeah. before that yeah, one yeah yeah that that's, sounds great that's coming out for christmas um, i love the sound of it yeah 16 different tales in total so yeah that is what the near future holds and of course Switch off, which yes, is which is on BBC Sounds, Sounds right, and people yes. can listen to them all there. And who have you got? You've I saw you've got Adam Buxton, Buxton was there. So yeah, you've got- um, we've got yeah. So we've tried to go for big podcasters. We've got uh, Deborah Francis White, yep. guilty, guilty feminist. Um, Adam Kay, yes, best-selling author of This Is Going to Hurt. Yep. Charlie Brooker, because there's a bit of nepotism in there, <laughs> obviously. Fantastic. Um, Shappy Corsandi, because Fantastic. She's a, a mum mate of mine. I've been. For, we were I at the same Shappy. primary school, um, oh, and really? we're both Ealing folk. Oh wow! So, yeah. So, yeah, a good mix of people in there. It sounds but it's, awesome. It's, you know, it targets people that are mainly big uh, sort of podcasty, social media-y yeah. people. And the, just out of my own curiosity, because I follow, I think, all of those people, and I didn't notice any, but one thing I noticed that we discussed that I chose not to do was I didn't do any kind of announcement that yes. I was going to be off. Did anyone else go that route? Well, some of them didn't manage to stay off. That's Charlie later. whispering that he's off out. It's, well, you either interrupt confidently or don't interrupt at all. I'm sorry. I'm whispering loudly. I'm going. Okay. Bye. See you. Yes. Yeah, so so I, I, some, I chose not, not to announce because I wanted it to be a more natural thing to, to 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 see naturally if people would not notice me which the bulk didn't none i didn't want it to be a look at me were, i'm gone yeah none of them felt of the, i haven't finished recording them all actually mm. having said that but um of the ones i've recorded thus far none of them felt that their absence was noticed it's something that much it's something i can't remember if i talked about on the podcast but it's something i wanted to talk about because 
and let's get it in here. Um, I think it's important. I see a lot of, I've seen, like, mental health is discussed a lot online. I'm now yeah. starting a whole new podcast and going yeah. off, but <laughs> mental health is discussed a lot online. I've got a lot um, to say on that, um, if you do want yeah, to Yeah, well, let's keep going. Um, we, we did discuss how damaging a social media can be, but one of the things I've noticed is I've seen people every now and then do a post saying that they were quite sad that they were offline for a bit and no one noticed and they were struggling and no one reached out. And it made me sad because I think we've built a system where people won't notice. That's just how the system is because Mm. of algorithms, because Mm. things like we won't notice. So it doesn't mean that they don't care about you or or that they aren't your friends. So, the solution should be to encourage people to, if they're struggling, to reach out to people rather than to hope people reach out to them, which would be great and ideal. And I encourage people to do that as well. But yeah, it struck me as something that's like, I I wish there were more people who were comfortable saying, I've gone quiet because I'm struggling, because I'm having a rough time, rather than, as said, hoping someone will notice. Because we've built a system where they won't, even if if they care about you so dearly because of algorithms, because of everyone is following hundreds and hundreds of people, they won't notice. And it's not because you're also, shit or worthless. Hundreds and hundreds of people that are portraying this sort of avatar of themselves with their Instagram curated photos, with the filters and like how perfect my food is and yeah. my life is and so on and so forth. I've got this real thing of, you know, I've never, I'm quite lucky. I've never struggled with depression or mental health or, you know, I'd say that I I don't know I'm quite well balanced but I think part of it is I don't know having parents that came over from Bangladesh from a village essentially they tried to do who do you think you are on me and they couldn't research any further (laughs) than my parents generation because there's no documentation they literally made up their birth certificates to come over to the UK But I have this real thing of like... <laughs> I love that. Who do you think you are? We've no idea. Yeah, so, uh, sorry. Know. This isn't going to work. <laughs> this is all made up. Um, but that thing of in society, we set our standards higher and higher and higher. And yeah. we only have disappointment when we can't reach these extremely high standards. We're setting ourselves with the show home house or the trendy clothing, or the whatever it is. So I have this thing of I set my standards very low. And then I'm never that disappointed. You know, I don't want the 20 million followers or the beautifully show home looking house or the, you know, because that will only mean I attract a caliber of person that sort of got those same standards and then you're trying to outstand at each other even yeah. if it's subconsciously or you think oh i can't invite them round because they'll be judging that my decor or any of that and i have this thing of like because now our kids are going to lots of children's parties and you know they are at their fourth choice state school which is a melting pot of different cultures you know the the social demographic is just you know i love that school um it's half an hour away which is annoying because it's our first fourth through school and we weren't even entertaining it and we went to the open day yeah. and just thought, actually, we really like this place. But the Damn point it. is, is that, you know, you have the, these kids have these birthday parties and, like, I don't know, the, the gifts and the, you know, activities and the entertainer and the things, you know, everybody sort of thought of it. So, and their tr- standards seem to be going higher and higher on all fronts. This is a kid's party. Yeah. These, you know, even with, like, toys that kids get these days. They're happy playing with the cardboard box. And um, 
you know, in America, my friend who lives Again, in America... Again, it's choices as well. It's saying, the choice of the parents who are making it, yeah. it that way rather than what the kids actually want. You know, my friend in America was saying that they all spent hundreds of pounds on these birthday parties. And so me and my friend had a joint birthday party for our kids and we the invites were on recycled card. We are like, let's yeah. bring standards down. Yeah. Let's make it from the recycling bin, these invites. or You know, but just in general... I don't know. I think we're just setting ourselves up for... If you're only eat in three-starred Michelin restaurants, you're going to have a lot of disappointment your whole yeah. life. Yeah. And we seem to be going that way. You know, I know young people that just... Young people, I sound like old folk now, that just sort of seem to Deliveroo and Uber everywhere and complain about how skint they are. Yeah. And it's just like there is something wrong here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, completely. Well, I'm I'm going to end it there as okay. as we're on. on and feel up free for 90 to minutes. edit out anything. I'm not going to edit anything. I love verbal diatribe, my preachy ranting. And we both in, enjoy excited rambling and <laughs> and stumbling over each other's yes. sentences. So it's perfect. So thank you very much. And as said, uh, switch off is on on BBC Sound. So go and listen to all the episodes there. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was that was the wonderful Connie Huck. Um, I just want to... There was something we touched upon in that, and it played on my mind ever since. I think anyone who knows me or has listened before... And we covered it in the podcast. Everyone will know my intention. But I wanted to clarify just for... In case anyone uh, misinterpreted and was offended, there was a bit in there where I kind of spoke about feeling that we're all kind of born with no sexuality and then it's as a choice of sexual partner or sexuality is imposed upon us by societal things and things like that and to be clear I'm coming at that from the angle of that all sexuality is 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 a construct I'm not coming at it from the angle that people aren't born gay or or or, or or whatever else or buy or or pan or any of the other um s- sexual choices and i think people will know what i'm i meant by that but I, and we did obviously address it quickly but i wanted to be extra clear on it cuz you know regardless of any good intention there there's people that their sexuality has been they've been told that it's it's not real it's not it's not natural and all these other horrible things pray you straight uh, straight camps, all that kind of absolute horrific nonsense. So I wanted to be clear, I wasn't coming from that angle. It was more that I think everyone is born gay and everyone is born hetero and everyone is born pat. Do you know what I mean? I think oh, the capability for all of that is in all of us and then it kind of grows and develops. Uh, again, even this might be offensive. I, 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 I re- regretted it. It played on my mind because I regretted bringing up a subject that I'm not, you know, it's 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 going from my own kind of theories and thoughts and looking at um, uh, Greek culture and Greek sexuality and stuff like that. But um, obviously, as a, a a straight white male, I've not had any kind of hardships in sexuality. So I wanted just to be um, clear that those musings were coming from a positive and comfortable place because I'm so comfortable 
chatting with Connie. Um, but because of the comfort of the position I can speak from, it maybe means I'm not uh, the 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 um, the the expert or the um, the authoritative voice in that area. So if anyone got any twinges or offence there, genuinely apologies. I bow to to everyone's individual experiences. I don't think there's a uh, an overall experience. I think it's all personal and individual. But anyway, um, there we go. I told you she, she, she was fantastic. You may have heard a brief appearance there um, from her hubby, uh, Charlie Brooker, previous Distraction Pieces podcast guest. Uh, it was quite hilarious because through PR people, I'd been arranging a chat with Charlie for ages and it had been moved and we'd juggle things about. And then I was arranging a separate one with, with Connie because I'd done her podcast and then when the podcast was confirmed by the PR people, it was for a Tuesday, and literally the day before I'd confirmed to be in Charlie's house on the Thursday. So he no doubt thought I was a weird, creepy stalker. So apologies for that, Charlie. But it was well worth it to get that conversation with Connie. Um, I said, check out the Switched Off or Switch Off podcast um, and pre-order Connie's book, Cookie, and the most annoying boy in the world, I believe. Um, yes. Uh, it sounds fantastic. I'm really excited about it to get it for my uh, goddaughter. Um, a few things I want to tell you about. I said I'm trying to make the outros more rambly and the intros less rambly now. It's just an experiment because there's some people who don't realise the podcast is a, you know, it's about all of it. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to moan about that. Um but yeah, I like having a chat with you guys because we get to have a catch up and see what's going on. Um, last week I went to see previous guest James Acaster on tour and it is so good. I genuinely can't can't recommend um, going out and catching his current tour enough. It's, yeah, he's a master. I've seen James a, a, a load of times and this may be my favourite of his shows. He's... He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, so go and check him out. Obviously, as I mentioned in the intro, I've got my club night um, the week, not this Saturday, the Saturday after, the, the 27th. We've got Russell Lissack from Block Party coming down. And also, it's the it's the weekend before my birthday. So I will be having it as my kind of birthday c- celebration. So it'll be lovely to see as many of you as possible come in and... Um, Dancing the night away at the book club in uh, in Hoxton. Next week's guest is a great one. It's Greg Jenner, who's a historian, generally fascinating and wonderful dude, but also happens to be the historian behind Horrible Histories, which is obviously an absolute phenomenon. Um, and the new film comes out, is it this week it might come out? I think the film comes out this week and the podcast is out next week. It might be out next week. But yeah, it looks amazing. And our chat kind of confirmed it seems like it's just fantastic. So um, yeah, I highly recommend that. I've been recording some good ones lately, but I don't want to say anything because I keep them a secret. Um, I I reveal them on patreon.com slash pit, which is only a dollar a month. Oh, speaking of which, actually, we broke... 15 million downloads last week you absolute maniacs thank you very much for um 
supporting. I joked on a post somewhere about it. Imagine if I charged a quid an episode, because that would obviously be... I'd have £15 million. Obviously, I'm aware that I wouldn't have had that many listens if it was a quid. But imagine if I'd had like a million. <laughs> It'd be a lot. But no, I, I made that joke, obviously aware that it's, it's, it's irrelevant. I love how we keep it free by having sponsors rather than anything else. But a few people did ask if they could donate some money. They said you should have a, a donate button where you can where people can chip in a quid here and there. And it's like, I kind of said, that's that's what the patron is. It's it's only a dollar a month. So if you want to donate a dollar a month because you dig it, then, then go right ahead. But you don't have to. As said, the reason I have sponsors on here is to keep it free for you guys. Um, and here every week. And I was also delighted. Adam, Adam Buxton had his 100th episode. Uh, recently and in the outro he gave a little thank you to me for some of the conversations that we had early on I kind of a few technical and behind the scene bits I um I helped him out with and gave him some advice and guidance on so that was beautiful to get a thanks there I wasn't expecting that at all I emailed Adam about it and it couldn't be clearer that I'm just a massive fan of his podcast because I emailed him an hour or two after the podcast came out um, so that's how swiftly I listen. Um, I think it's fantastic. So, and I, I, I can't remember I discussed on a, another podcast. It was bizarre to me when I was helping out Adam with some bits because Adam was one of the reasons I got into podcasting. But of course, Adam and Joe's podcast was highlights of their XFM show and their six music shows. So they weren't actually making podcasts and they weren't uploading and distributing and pushing they were part of another company each time but yeah it was it was a surreal thing to have someone who was the reason I started mine a few years down the line coming to me for advice on podcasts and it was like this is this is very strange but um, yeah I love Adam's podcast um his his 100th episode is fantastic it's with Louis Thru and Joe Cornish um both amazing people joe cornish and adam buxton of course previous distraction pieces podcast guests so go back and check those episodes out i'll leave it there i think is there anything else i need to tell you i've mentioned the club night haven't i mentioned next week's guest speech development records.com we should when this one goes out we should have just topped up on the sunglasses don't quote me on it though because they always seem to just sell out as soon as i put them in stock anyway so if you want some and they're not in stock pop your name on the email list it's all over at speech dot com. but um yeah i'm not going to hard sell any of that to you just going to let you know where it is and if you want to stroll down that avenue then you're always welcome you'll be greeted with a smile some wonderful merch and potentially a bill um yeah I'll see you all next week. I'm recording two more episodes this week, so, so they'll be up on my Patreon. Um, the pick, the the reveal of who the guests are. One is a previous guest who's been requested a ridiculous amount of times, and one is a brand spanking new guest who I've been talking to for ages about coming on, and then I got hit up by a PR company to say, would you have this person on? And I was like, yeah. I've been asking them to come on for ages. They're my mate. <laughs> so that's exciting. 
excited for all of these things. Um, there's a few, a few other things I'm excited about at the moment, but I'm not going to say anything. Just going to leave it at that. I will see you all next week. This has been the Distraction Pieces podcast with Connie Huck of Switch Off Podcast on BBC Sounds. Ta-ta! Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.